you open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. If we really look at what Jesus is teaching us, we would see he is not only showing us how to act when we are in society or the world, but also how to act around relatives and how to carry ourselves in the church. These are the three places we are seen of men, the world, our family, and in the church. Jesus came to teach us everything we need to know about ourselves, what to expect from others, and how to respond when it happens. So far, we have been taught the Beatitudes, how to be meek, how to pray, how to fast, how to treat everyone. We learn we are the salt and the light of the world. How to forgive that you may be forgiven. Actually, he is saying to us all, love not the world or the things that are in the world. Everything we need to know about living is being taught. Now, in chapter 7, Jesus continues to speak to the multitude and disciples. Verse 1, he says, Judge not, that you be not judged. The judgment does not mean we should not examine ourselves, but we should not unrighteously judge our neighbor. Self-judging is a great duty. Judging others is a grievous sin. If we judge others rashly, God will judge us righteously. We should examine ourselves daily to see where we are in the faith. Peter tells us, for the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? If God did not deal with his children. God would not be fair. God deals with his own first. Mm -hmm. If he did not, God would be a respecter of person. Verse 2 says, For with what judgment you judge, you shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you again. When it comes to us in this respect or give, of giving judgment, According to the judgment you judge others, you shall be judged. Let me share this passage of scripture with you. Matthew 18, 23 through 35. That's Matthew 18, 23 through 35. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord 
of the servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what he was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto, told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desired me. Shouldest not thou also have had passion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him into the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly father do also unto you. If you from your hearts forgive not everyone, his brother, their trespasses. What this is telling us is by the same judgment you give someone else, God sees it and he shall be given unto you as well. A judgment is when you form an opinion or draw a conclusion based on what you have seen or heard. This is usually followed by a sentence of action. Righteous judgments are based on facts, not opinions. Opinionated judgment is usually unrighteous. The judgment God gives us is not a formed opinion, and his judgment is not unrighteous. This is also what Jesus said about judgment when his word is rejected. John 12, 47 through 48. And if any man hear my words and believe not, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world but to save the world. He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judge him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. Man knowing how to judge and giving a righteous judgment is a, an, another message and subject for another time. But back to Matthew chapter 7, verse 3. Jesus taught this to us when we are in the presence of each other. And why beholdest thou that mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considereth not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thy own eye? A mote is a speck of dust. And a beam is a squared off log. Knowing this as a metaphor, we understand this to mean, how can you point out the small things your brother is doing when what you are doing is worse? Those who are most critical of the weakness of others are usually guilty of far greater falling themselves. 
and are usually guilty, again, of far greater failings themselves. Verse 5. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thy own eye, and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. A hypocrite is a person who professes to be what he is not at all. Put your attention on correcting your own faults. Because what we do is worse than our neighbor. This way we can become helpful to others without offense. Look at verse 6. Give not that which is holy to the dogs. Neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend, rend you. When we look at this, it is not a Christian's duty or responsibility to correct, reprove, or give advice to anyone who does not believe in God. As a person who does not know Christ needs first to recognize they have rejected Jesus. This may only come by the life you live and not the rebuke you give. Proverbs 9, 7 and 8 tells us, he that reproves a scorner or a man of pride gets to himself shame, and he that rebukes a wicked man gets himself a block. This block is a stain or a moral blemish or spot on you. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. The world does not understand what you say God is saying. Half the time, we don't understand what God's saying ourselves. We must study and seek his face. So verse 7 says, ask and it shall be given. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. God is able to supply and relieve the needs of his children. If we do not receive what we ask when we ask, we should still continue to seek and knock through prayer. He may not always answer in our time, but he shall never fail to answer in his time. Prayer is the key that opens both his heart and hand. We, what we learn and know is the person praying must be a doer of God's will. And the manner of our prayer must be in faith. Verse 8. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If what we are asking for is according to his will, and in faith, our prayer will always be heard. No soul can pray in vain if the, if the prayer is according to his will. The truth and faithfulness of Jesus is a formal promise for success. We must believe we shall receive, we shall find, and it shall be open. These words are as strongly binded on the side of God as thou shalt do no murder is on the side of man. 
When you have Christ's word in you and Christ's sacrifice with you in faith, not one of heaven's blessings can be denied you. Look at verse 9. Or what man is there of you whom if this of if his son asked bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your father which is in heaven give you things to them that ask him? In Luke eleven thirteen, it says this. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? In faith we ask. In faith we believe. And in faith we will receive. Let me ask this. Would any of you give your children a rock for bread? Or would you give them something that would harm them? Many have justfully done things to their children, but God does not joke. Look at this next verse. Therefore, in verse 12, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you, do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is where the worldly saying comes into play. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But this is the true, this is the rule of righteousness in dealing with others. Just as you would have them forgive you, you forgive them. Just as you would have them give to you, you give to them. Just as you would have them treat you, treat them the same. Just like they have shown you mercy, be merciful to them. Verse 13, enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Straight means narrow. It is a strict, rigid, and righteous way. The world cannot find it. Religion will not follow it. Tradition will avoid it. Denominations won't do it. It is too strict and narrow for them. Remember what Jesus said earlier. Except your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and scribes. Verse 15 says, beware false prophets which come to you in sheep clothing. But inwardly, they are raving wolves. Jesus said, take heed. In other words, don't let no man deceive you. In Romans, Paul said, mark them which cause division and offense, contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them, because they do not serve the Lord. They feed their own stomachs with smooth and flattery words. They deceive the hearts of the simple. A false prophet will draw people away from the simplicity of the gospel. Be careful of those 
that will always agree with you. They are trying to draw you in to agree with them. Verse 16. Ye shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or of figs or thistles? Even so, every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. And a good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit. Neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. God is looking and expecting us to bring forth his character. Verse 20 says, Wherefore, by their fruit ye shall know them. People can know God and identify with God by the character that is seen. There is no way an apple tree can bring forth grapes. And grapes will never produce oranges. Note, if you are God's tree, he will make sure you have his fruit or you will be pruned or cut down. On an apple tree, sometimes some apples may not look as good as others. Some fruit we have been exercising has been our own character. Some of these things may need to be removed or cut down. By us being the children of God, we must bring forth his character. God purges that which should not be in us so we can continue to bring forth good fruit. By the word, Jesus always is always dinging and dunging about us to make us fruitful. Remember, Jesus said, every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Mm -hmm. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. We are clean through the word. Mm -hmm. Jesus also said, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me. And I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. Look at verse 21. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my father, which is in heaven. We all know that the will of God is found in John 6 and 40. It says, and this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is God's purpose for us to understand and believe on his Son. Jesus came and died for us that we may know the Father and the Son. By knowing them, we have eternal life. But we must also know this. The best gifts that exist are nothing without godliness. Jesus asked this question at one point. Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? No hopes are to be built on profession or confession alone. Good practice is the only foundation that can support us. The only sure test of true religion is doing the doing the known will of God. Verse 22 tells us, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Profession 
of Christianity without the practice is an insufficient ground to build our hopes of heaven and salvation upon. To profess faith and have good intentions of being obedient without actually obeying the commandments of God will be of no value of salvation to that person. Many who have prophesied in his name shall, be, shall perish in his wrath because they did not do the will of God. Many that have cast out devils now shall be cast out to devils because it was not his will by their selves to do the will of God. Verse 23. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You will cry unto me what you did, and I will say to you, I don't know you. Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the wind blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not. Where it was founded upon a rock. As a metaphor again, remember Jesus is the rock. He is the rock of our salvation. Mm -hmm. Jesus said, Upon this rock I will build my church. When your foundation is built upon Christ, it can and will stand the test of time. No weapon formed against you can prosper. As the songwriter said, The word is working mightily in me. No matter what the circumstances, what I feel or see, the word is working mightily in me. Verse 26 says, And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descendeth, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. The fall of the house built upon the sand represents the fall of the undone soul, not found upon the foundation of the gospel. If you have ever put your feet in the sand of the ocean, you will notice as the waves cover your feet, the sand will dissolve from under them. You can lose your balance if you just stand there. So spiritually, when you build your faith, your beliefs and your life, if it is built on the sand of this life, you will lose your footage from up under you. Your balance will be unstable. Without the right foundation, nothing will stand over time. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Mm -hmm. Verse 28 and 29. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished. At his doctrine, for they for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Here are some of the reasons why they were astonished. Jesus spoke with great authority. He was serious, plain, and what he said was profitable. They heard the law defined in a way they never thought before. This clearness was not taught or understood under the teaching of the scribes and the Pharisees. Let me close with this point and example. What you did as a teenager at home, you cannot do as an owner of your own home. 
The room your parents cleaned for you. Now is the room you must clean yourself. The food that was cooked for you is now your responsibility to cook for others. The bed you slept in with no rent, you now pay rent to have a bed to sleep in. Mm. The money you asked for and many times you did not get, you now are being asked by someone else and sometimes you can't give it. If you want the bills paid, you must work for it. If you want the lights on, you must work for it. It is time to walk in the straight and narrow path. What flesh wants to do is not going to work in the kingdom. We have to give up the worldly interests in order to secure our salvation. The Bible says it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Back then, men didn't have banks to place their wealth in. They carried everything with them on the backs of camels. In many cases, they had to strip the camel to enter into a city which had a needle-type gate way to enter in. For us, we must take off the pleasures of this world so we can enter into the pleasures of the kingdom. With that, my time is up, and I thank you for yours.